0: It's time for Lime Ninja
1: Radio.
2: Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of Lime Ninja Radio. My name is McKay Rippey, and with me in the studio today is my producer, Aurora. Hello. Today, we have a very special guest. It's Charlotte Therese Bjornstrom, and she's the founder of Worldwide Lyme Protest, and that organization has done an incredible job over the last two years of really getting folks together, getting them excited about spreading the word about Lyme disease, chronic Lyme disease, and raising awareness. She's done an amazing job. Roy, will you tell us a little bit about Charlotte?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, having been ill with Lyme disease for 25 years and after battling with the Swedish healthcare system, she started a grassroots initiative to promote Lyme awareness. And after she saw that there were thousands of people suffering around the world, she had a dream to take the initiative much further than the Scandinavian borders. The World Wide Lyme protest was founded on October 31st and it spans the globe with, re- with representatives from many different countries volunteering their time to offer support, raise awareness and organize protests.
2: Thanks, Aurora. Here's our interview with Charlotte Bjornström. So I have with me Charlotte Bjornström. Charlotte, I'm saying that correctly. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And she's from Sweden, from outside Stockholm. The name of the town is Uppsala? Yeah. Yeah, very good. And Charlotte has had Lyme disease for 25 years.
0: Yeah, at least. That's what I know of. That's when the symptoms started coming. So that's what I figured out.
2: So where do you think you contracted this?
0: Oh, I always loved being out outdoors in the nature, Uh Animals photographing, and I must have, I didn't know how dangerous it was. I remember bites from that time. I, I just p- picked away these little animals. I thought, oh, they're smaller than mosquitoes, they can't be dangerous. And then I got these red big marks. I remember it so clearly. And I got no treatment, of course, since I didn't know what was wrong. So I just got more and more symptoms uh, as the years passed by. So it's not until last year that I started getting treatment, actually.
2: Oh, long time. Yeah. And how, is, tre- how is treatment going?
0: Um, up and down, as you probably know yourself. <laughs> it's lots of... Um, um, uh, It's really tough with antibiotics and I've also tried herbs and oils and who knows what (laughs) I haven't tried. So it. I think it goes forward, but it goes slowly and uh, there are backlashes. Like you get really, really sick. It was just a few weeks ago. I haven't been this sick since uh, 2012. So you never know what happens. I've started a pulse treatment. Uh, recently and uh, maybe that's better than going all the time on antibiotics.
2: Yeah, Sometimes it seems like the body needs a rest from treatment and to recover.
0: Oh yeah, lots of detoxing. The problem is our only doctor in Sweden will lose his license probably very soon and uh, then we won't get treatment.
2: (laughs) How come he's going to lose his license because of what he's it's doing the same with Lyme
0: like disease? in the u s in the u s doctors who try to help their patients with long antibi- antibiotic um, treatments they get investigated so one, for one, doing good yes.
2: <laughs> it's it becomes very frustrating doesn't it
0: yeah and well, so
2: Sweden has a has a nationalized healthcare system yes
0: yeah. But unfortunately, the knowledge about Lyme disease and the treatment is very low, even at the infection clinics. So they don't know much about the co-infections either. I I was lucky enough um, to get a co-infection two years ago. That's when I got really, really sick and no one knew what it was. So since I didn't take the tests then.
2: Which co-infection do you have?
0: It's called Rickettsia in Sweden. It's uh, relative to... Uh, Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. Yes. It's the same symptoms. Yes. And it's as dangerous. And uh, I I had to go four months with it without treatment. So I finally treated myself with the first antibiotics I could find. And uh, luckily it was almost the right kind, so I got better, but not totally well since treatment should have started four days latest after the bite to get totally well and I didn't get it until four months later and even later than that half a year later or something they found out what it was so when I finally got to make the tests that I had, uh, had asked for so and I was right and I got five weeks of doxycycline after that, which didn't help at all.
2: It did not help you?
0: No, not after that, all that time. So that's all the treatment I've gotten for these 25 years from the uh, official healthcare, five weeks of doxycycline.
2: So (laughs) So if you contracted Lyme 25 years ago, it wasn't really uh on anybody's radar there was there's very little awareness. Yeah, I mean even true. even here in the States it was an true. invisible disease, yeah?
0: Yeah, yeah, no one knew about it. There were no warnings, nothing. We just thought of it as small spiders. They look like tiny spiders and spider bites in Sweden. That's not dangerous, so how would we know?
2: <laughs> right. So were you what did they think you have? Because you obviously were very sick.
0: Yeah. They, they didn't know. It's like, it's, it was the same as for everyone, I guess. They go to doctor after doctor and they do every test is fine in the beginning. And they eventually took Lyme tests also that were positive. Now that test is gone from the archives. I have no idea where it went. And they said that, oh, you had Lyme disease, but uh, it's gone. You're healed now. Okay. I believed in them and... Um, because they said it heals by itself without treatment, really, yeah. So uh, I went on with my life as good as I could, but I had no idea I got so sick, more and more symptoms every year, and I also happened to move into an apartment with tons of mold, and that really made it much, much worse. So mold and Lyme disease is a really good uh, combination. They don't mix
2: well at (laughs) all, do they?
0: they they cooperate so you never get well <laughs> almost right.
2: so are you in a new apartment have you gotten away from the mold
0: i got away to a new apartment but the problem is they just found out a few months ago that there's a 100 times more mold here than in our moist damaged house it it's nothing in the you can't feel it no smell in the air but I, I noticed it when I went away for a week last year. Yes, and fin- suddenly, all almost all the symptoms were gone. I was like, "What? What's this?" And then I got home, and two hours later, all of it was back. Then I knew something here makes me sick and makes me stay sick, in spite of the treatment I had had almost a year of treatment when I went away. Right, so I should have been well, <laughs> according to me, but. Uh, yeah, so I know mold is really, really a big. Uh, I don't find the word bastard in the. Yes, yes.
2: that's a good word.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the word I thought of, but I can't think of the right one.
2: No, that word <laughs> English works.
0: is my first language, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, do you ha- do you have a strategy for dealing with the mold in your apartment?
0: Yeah, I try to keep everything as clean as possible. I've uh, cleaned all the bookshelves and everything. Oh all the dust away from the books and from everything and I clean uh, or I get help to clean the floors every week because I can't do everything myself any longer. I'm so extremely tired and got pain everywhere and so uh, but yeah, I try to clean, keep it clean and I also uh, contacted people who will help me against the uh, landlord who doesn't want to do anything uh, about it. So I'm also planning. I need to move away from here, but it may take a few years. So I hope to get rid of the mold until I can move.
2: Have you looked at any of the air purifiers?
0: I tried one, but I think it uh, it may have been in a really moldy place before because I think it got worse, as if it blew out more mold toxins and stuff. I, I only borrowed it for a week, so yeah. I didn't think it got any better. So. Uh-huh. It It was, yeah, a trial.
2: Yeah, sorry to hear that. Hmm. Those are difficult situations. So all this must have, I was going to ask you, what inspired you to uh, found the worldwide Lyme protest? Now now I know why.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's just part of the story because actually what made me do it was that I got really, really angry when I understood the how wide the problem is, that it's in every country around the world. Uh, I didn't know that before I got on many Facebook groups and got to know people from everywhere, and it was the same. They had the same symptoms, the same non-treatment and everything. Stuff like that makes me so angry, so I have to act. I can't just sit and look at it happening. I have to try to change it. That's just how I am as a person. So... The background to that is that uh, I made two huge national protests before this. That's what inspired me, and I thought I could take it a step further. And uh, and with Lyme as a focus, I, there was another focus on unemployment and uh, uh, people being sick in general and new political rules in Sweden. And I tried to change that first for two years, and then then I started the. Worldwide protest without a model. Uh, I had the idea how how to make it and how to make it work because I had the experience before of how to make protests really big and how to, yeah, how to make people organize it.
2: And I think that's news, like it was news to you, that Lyme is a worldwide problem and not.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it was like two years ago. That's when I heard of it uh, and understood how, what a problem it is. I thought it was in Sweden, that we didn't get treatment, and I, I wasn't even sure I had Lyme. But uh, I, even I ignored the positive test, you know. And um, and then when that test was gone, I I asked if I could make a Western blot. I was even positive on a live so that's quite a miracle. Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> and so so I asked. To, to make uh, Western blot after almost a year of treatment, and uh, three bands was positive on that one too after one year, but it was of course explained as negative.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> so, but if, if even one band shows up, it's positive after from what what I read. So, yeah, it's pretty sure I have Lyme, and it makes me mad that that the situation as as. Is as it is in the world, and I'm happy that there are uh, doctors who treat it in at least some countries, most in the US and also in some countries in Europe.
2: Yes, well, we, we, it's let me back up one second. So, Lyme disease is named after a small town in Connecticut so yeah. uh really when you speak with uh people in the US they assume that it's it's kind of concentrated to the the northeast p- section of the United States so we even yeah. have problems uh just recognizing that Lyme disease is, is out in California on the west coast you know 2000 miles away uh or mm-hmm. down in Florida which is also about 1000 miles away and, is it uh,
0: still like that after all this awareness it, campaigns and stuff?
2: It is. So what you're well, doing to mm. to just bring awareness is yes, it's not just a local problem and it's not just in my area or my town.
0: Mm. Yeah.
2: Is uh it, It's it's one of the things that's needed. So how how many countries are involved with your organization?
0: Uh, around 30 countries. That's quite a lot.
2: <laughs> it is. So,
0: when you think of it, it's like oh, huge. You try to imagine all these countries involved. It's it's amazing. The problem is in the U.S. I think uh, with the IDSA and their guidelines because they're affecting all the all the world actually because most countries, with few exceptions, are following those guidelines. So if if we get change in the U.S., it will also help the rest of the world. That's what I think.
2: It, it's become quite a struggle between patients yeah. and uh, and the doctors. And, of course, the doctors want to be the experts. And, of course, the patients uh, are saying, wait, you've missed something here. Mm. They're definitely talking past each other at this point. It would be a miracle if, if we could uh, get everybody to sit down and, and try to figure out some way to work both Both parts of the equation because I think
0: that's my dream that's what I'm trying to achieve in Sweden at least but who
2: knows
0: (laughs) if it will happen the ideal would be a worldwide gathering of doctors and patients from everywhere with lots of experience from their fields and researchers and everyone what if we could meet somewhere in the world
2: right I think it, it might be I was just speaking with uh, with Jenny Rush, who yeah. who uh, d- does some online uh, uh, conference calls, and and it's just starting a retreat. And she said the same thing. She, she has a dream of getting the mm. the doctors and the researchers together, as well as some of the the cool. activists together, to to have the same sort mm. of conversation. Because that. I wonder if these, uh, these infectious disease doctors aren't just looking at the bacteria, uh, in, in vitro, in, in the test tube and not, and mm. not in vivo in the, in the body. And yeah, that's we, we, totally know possible. All, we know all mm. the strategies that this, uh, the spirochete has for surviving. Oh yeah. And, and they, they may not be taking that into account.
0: Yeah. That's pretty clear. I <laughs> think it's so easy to treat <laughs>
2: so what type of activities have people who've uh participated in the the protest, which was last may right? uh
0: it was two years now in uh uh two thousand and thirteen the first one and uh, uh in may this year uh second one. Uh, well, there's been loud protests, uh, there's been information campaigns. It's really been different in every country. Some countries have done just online events, but every country has particip- participated in their own ways. So.
2: And if somebody wanted to get involved and help, what should yeah. they do? Uh,
0: they should get in touch with me on Facebook, Um because we have a little group where we plan uh, new things. I think we're heading towards something new next year, but I don't see protests coming. Uh, I don't see that as um, what's needed. We've tried it for two years, and I think we should try other things in the future.
2: So what direction do you think it should go?
0: Oh, it's secret right now. But <laughs> <I am> more, <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> you have enough. to get in touch with me on Facebook. <laughs> we can't reveal everything, you know. You don't know who listens. <laughs>
2: That's true.
0: Um, but uh, it's good things. I think it's things that will be efficient uh, since the whole world uh, participates, particularly.
2: And on Facebook, uh, they should look up worldwide line protest.
0: Uh, they could go to our page, or they could get in touch with me and write a message on my page, uh, Facebook uh, profile, or I read every message.
2: And that's Charlotte Therese, or is it Theresa?
0: Yeah, Charlotte Therese Björnström. And uh, our page is uh, Worldwide Line Protests. Uh, you can write messages there, too, but there, were, there may be others answering
2: And for the English speakers, I'll spell out Björnström. It's B-J-O-R-N-S-T-R-O-M, correct? Yeah. Okay. With some accents in there that I'll just leave out for now.
0: Yeah, you don't have those letters. No,
2: we don't have those (laughs)
1: letters.
2: (laughs) Okay. So is there anything else you'd like to add?
0: Oh well, I hope uh, we're all making some change. That uh, that we will see change coming in the close future. That I mean, it's ridiculous that people are going uh, to be this sick and getting no treatment. It's so frustrating to to see that happening everywhere. And I, I just wish I could do more to to get treatment to, to everyone.
2: Yes, and I think your message is very important. So if somebody's struggling uh, with some unexplained illness, that maybe yeah. a Lyme test, even though they're not that accurate, might be something very worthwhile.
0: Yeah, yeah. If, especially since uh, it's been proven to develop into really serious other diseases like Alzheimer's or ms and parkinson it could be a wrong diagnosis or it could be that it developed into it because the symptoms may be the same and yeah it's worth trying antibiotics if you get really really sick and it may be lying. i've heard of uh, people with ms who got uh, cured by antibiotics
2: theoretically that's not possible yes
0: no. <laughs> so, and also, they found uh, Alzheimer in Alzheimer patients in their brains after they died. They found spirochetes uh, from Lyme in all of them, from what I heard. Yeah, I've, so I've, that's quite a clear connection, I've, heard, to I've me.
2: heard that study as well. Mm. Unfortunately, there's there's no easy way of uh, finding it before somebody dies, right?
0: No, unfortunately, oh, you can't just take a brain sample. <laughs> um,
2: they are starting to come up with uh, more sophisticated DNA testing.
0: and Yeah, hope- I've heard of two interesting new tests that would um, have like 90 or even higher uh, accuracy. So that sounds promising. It does. So the question is, will we get treatment after that or will it still be 10 days of doxycycline (laughs) or something?
2: (laughs) Well, Uh. you would think that if they had that accurate testing and uh, they gave a treatment and then Mm. you got better for a bit and had a relapse and would retest with the genetic testing and found the infection back again, the Mm. information would begin to filter up that say, well, maybe 14 days is not enough.
0: Yeah, if they, if it's not the same as with the antibodies that they say they can be there even after it's healed. And-
2: yeah, it's the DNA is a little bit different in that you, it, the DNA material that they're measuring is from the uh, the bacteria itself. So mm. if the bacteria would be cleared out, then there's no DNA from the bacteria left. The body would recycle those proteins and they would disappear completely. So that's mm. one of the good things about the DNA testing. That if it shows that it's there, then it it's actually there.
0: Mm. That so sounds good.
2: It does sound good. Mm. Charlotte, thank you so much. Thank you. It, it was a pleasure talking to you, and your English is beautiful.
0: <laughs> I know it's quite an accent, but who cares?
2: <laughs> no, it was you're very understandable. No worries at all, as the Aussies Mm -hmm. say.
1: All right. It's really cool to be able to talk to somebody who has a global sense.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) Like a worldwide perspective.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
2: You often think of Lyme being such a local phenomenon, but really, it is everywhere.
1: Yeah. And I'm constantly reminded, listening to everybody who talks here, Um One of the things that really got to me is really the struggle that she had. Uh, Which one? Even after getting diagnosed to get the right antibiotics and getting enough antibiotics, really.
2: You know, that is also a worldwide problem. Uh, We had a long discussion in my support group yesterday about access to antibiotics. And it really comes down to... The guidelines that physicians have, starting with the infectious disease people, uh, they've decided that all you need is 30 days at the max, and really, some doctors are only willing to give uh, a couple weeks, 10 days of antibiotics, and it's just insufficient. So the problem with these guidelines is that once you reach that limit, and if you haven't healed completely, you're cut off from antibiotics. So you either have to find a Lyme literate doctor who's willing to risk his or her license to go against these guidelines, or you have to figure out some other strategy. So really, if you're just kind of cruising along within the system, you're not going to get the care you need. Absolutely not. And it doesn't matter where you are. You have to take matters into your own hands and go track down a Lyme literate physician, which means paying money out of pocket, or find a competent herbalist or somebody who practices with essential oils, a naturopath, somebody like that, who can get you, uh, herbs, essential oils, antibiotics that you need to kill off these, these bacteria and to help you get better. But if you just coast along within the system, unless, unless you have a Lyme literate doctor, but then, then again, the, the Lyme literate doctors are outside the system. If you're within the system, you're stuck. And I want to use a stronger word than stuck, but you're just stuck. So you have to take matters into your own hand. You have to take control, and you have to go find out somebody who's going to give you the care that you need. And that's that. Well said. All right. I am on my soapbox standing, almost pounding on the table, but not quite. It's really, you can't let the system work for you. It, the system does not work right now. And if you just coast along, you're just going to get bounced. I was listening to one of the members of the support group yesterday. He was just talking about he has a positive test. He has had his round of antibiotics. And now that that's over, he's getting bounced from doctor to doctor. And he feels okay His life isn't ruined at this point. You know, the antibiotics did some good work, but he's got these nagging little problems in the background, and he knows they're Lyme, and we know they're Lyme related, but he can't get the care. So he's going to the rheumatologist, he's going to the, uh, uh, to the neurosurgeon, believe it or not, he's going to the neurologist, he's just getting bounced back from person to person, and when he shows back at his, back at when he shows back up at his general practitioner, the reaction is, oh, it's you again. They dumped you back on me. And that just makes him feel not so great. So the other thing, you know, he's not hes not 35. He's probably closer to twice that. And he's in the back of his head. Gee, if the doctors don't think there's a problem, maybe this all is in my head. But it's not in his head. You know, he can't sleep at night unless he's in his is a lazy boy sitting up, and then he feels comfortable. So they're crazy symptoms that happen with Lyme disease. And you gotta take the bull by the horns. You gotta do this on your own. Okay, end of rant. I could go okay. on forever.
1: Putting the shoe back on.
2: Yes, thank you.
1: All right. Um, listen to us. You can listen to us on the web at LimeNinjaradio.com. Please like us on Facebook
2: and send us some feedback on how we're doing at
1: feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com.
2: That's our email address. Say it again slowly.
1: Feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. Oh,
2: so well done. (laughs) And you can subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode on iTunes or Stitcher just go to either of those sites and search for Lime Ninja Radio. Also, you can listen to us on the web at our website. There are many places that you can just click on the play button and listen there. And that is www.LimeNinjaRadio.com. And that's Lime like the disease, Ninja like the ninja ninja warrior. And radio, you all know what radio is, .com. But before we go... We have one more thing to take care of, and that is the Ninja Fact of the Day.
1: Did you know that when a ninja crosses the road, nobody is brave enough to find out why?